When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. We're here to entertain you we'll sing your songs for good times the best times you can't go wrong we'll two step a new step it won't be long when the dixieland is up playing soon you'll be swaying so come on sing along Hello and welcome to another episode of Before My Time with your host, Gelsey Laurie. That's me. We are going to talk about the all-time rock and roll muse, Patty Boyd. If you don't know who she is, no problem. I'm about to educate you on this wonderful woman and the amazing songs that she inspired in rock and roll. Buckle your seatbelts and let's get on this coaster. Something in the way she All right, Gelsey, I'm going to put this as, as kindly as possible. Who the hell is Patty Boyd? <laughs> you know, I was expecting that one. And I think a lot of the listeners are like, who the hell is Patty Boyd? Because she's not a household name. And personally, I think she should be. So I'm about to change that. Because the whole world's listening to us right now. Well, I mean, we do have to address that you literally messaged me. Like, I was like, should I research Patty Boyd before we do this episode? And you were like, no. Yeah. I want you to continue to be you with the minimal knowledge that you know, which like, (laughs) I mean, I can tell you what I do know. And I know that she is somehow tied into Derek and the Dominoes slash mm-hmm. Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. And I want to say she was George Harrison's wife. But like, I feel like that's, 
just the tip of the iceberg of this it person's is just overall the tip of the career. iceberg. Yeah. You are correct. So ironically, this episode's about her, but I really don't want to talk too much about her and like her upbringing because that's boring. But sorry, Patty. Um, but she was born March 17th, 1944 in the UK and became a model. There was a extent of her life that they lived in South Africa, but come back. She's modeling agency, blah, blah, blah. So she books a small role on the 1964 film, Hard Day's Night. Okay. And she plays a schoolgirl. So if uh, you haven't seen Hard Day's Night, it's there's a scene where the Beatles are on a train and there's a couple schoolgirls sitting there and they kind of flirt. And it's a very funny movie. I love that movie. It's, I think, the most genuine. I feel like they just rolled the cameras and the Beatles went wild with just their little one-offs. They're very witty, very funny. Anyway, so George met Patty on that set. And I believe it was the first day he met her and they were talking. And George was quite a shy guy. That was kind of always his personality of the four, you know, shy. And But he's also, his his little one comments that come out in the movie, he's very funny in my opinion. But um, he asked Patty if she would marry him day one. Of course, Patty laughed. <laughs> Patty laughs. George then replies, well, if you won't marry me, will you have dinner with me tonight? Patty turned George down. She had a boyfriend at that time. Could you imagine turning a beetle? And this is their prime time, hard day's night, girls screaming at them in the streets phase. You know, they just hit it big as the mop tops. Anyways, crazy Patty. She went home pretty shortly after dumped her boyfriend. And she was at a press event for Hardy's Night and saw George and they went out that night. So, Aww. yeah, because they were so famous, the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, actually escorted them on the first date. So he was a third wheel with them at this first date, which I think is quite funny. Patty does recall that she was thankful he was there, though, because they both were quite shy and it kind of kept the conversation going in a little more of a safe space for a first date. So that's going to be my new dating advice. We all need managers to accompany us on our first date. I was like, wow. (laughs) So they get married January 21st, 1966. Now, the thing I love so much about Patty Boyd is she is, in my opinion, the all-time greatest rock and roll muse there ever was. The greatest love songs that we know from classic rock, she inspired. So in 1969, George writes something. And it was a love song to Patty. Unfortunately, by 1996, he denied it. But, you know... they break up, blah, blah, blah. He's married to someone else. So of course, maybe he'll be like, no, it wasn't. But at that time and everything else, it very much was written for her. It is one of my all-time favorite love songs. It's beautiful. It can make me cry. It's gorgeous. So that alone, if she gets the credit of just inspiring that song, to me, she still is the all-time best rock and roll. But it doesn't stop there. So George, um, all the Beatles start going to India and getting much more into their spiritual practice. But George, out of all of them, really took off with it. He becomes a vegetarian, gets into yoga. He's musically inspired by his spiritual practice, starts learning sitar. You kind of hear it. I want to say in like Revolver album. I was going to say like Nor- Norwegian Wood would be one of the songs. Yeah, that, that comes yeah. that comes in. And you kind of start hearing sitar and this, that. And then it really takes off in Sgt. Pepper's. And you can hear it. But she also was supposedly inspo for the songs I Need You, Love You Too, and For You Blue. And If I Needed Someone. So those are all, you know, maybe not mainstream Beatles songs, but that's that's a lot of gusto for inspiration. So George gets so far into his spirituality. He's in the Hare Krishna movement, um, and it begins to divide the couple. He would go in and meditate hours and hours, maybe sometimes days on end. And, you know, just she wouldn't see George. He really was just obsessed with trying to reach 
God and, and this other level of spirituality, actually, um, the song, my sweet Lord is about that and him trying to, I really want to see you and, and reach him. So he obsessed over it. There is a little side note here, which comes back later in importance. Patty couldn't get pregnant. So she had a lot of infertility issues and that also, you know, puts a lot of strain in this relationship and her future relationships. And if there was one thing Patty wanted, it was a child. So that's really sad and, you know, kind of weighs heavy on her. So in 1973, Patty has an affair with Ronnie Wood, who at the time was with Faces, but now we know him um, as a member of the Rolling Stones. And George had romanced Ronnie's wife. So that's kind of a weird (laughs) couple exchanging affair. I don't know too much (laughs) on the info of like what and how that went down if it was, but you know, so there's, they're starting to really separate and really split. And let's go back to the late sixties here. Clapton, Eric Clapton and George Harrison were very good friends. They would sit late nights, have parties and just play guitars together. There's some um, historic nights per se, where they would kind of have guitar offs and, um, Historians always say that no matter how much they battled or practiced or this, that, Eric Clapton was always just hands down a better guitarist. Personally, though I agree with that, I do like a lot of George's songs better, but that's just my opinion. So they're very good friends. They're obviously spending a lot of time together. Eric Clapton falls in love with Patty Boyd, and she is at this time married to George Harrison. So he really starts trying to woo her and is just obsessed with her. And in 1970, through his obsession with Patty, Eric Clapton writes the song Layla to proclaim his love to her. And it's based off of the story of Layla and uh, Majnun. I might be pronouncing that right. It's um, by a Persian writer. And the tale concerns a man driven to madness by his unattainable love. So it's a very much this old story that he turns into a song proclaiming his own love to Patty and and his angst through that. So if you go back and listen to Layla with that in mind, you can hear the begging and angst of it. And I I do think Layla is one of the greatest songs ever as well. So double whammy for Patty there. Hey, yo, girl, you be inspiring some good (laughs) rock and roll, which is why I love her. And this has to, side note, make me stop and think like, God, wouldn't it be so cool to just go back in time and be able to, for five minutes and... I'm not trying to give off some girl on girl action here, but just, I just want to stare into Patty's eyes. Like there has to be this like amazing, just sparkle there that inspires these amazing musicians to not only fall head over heels into infatuation and love with her, but to inspire them to write the greatest songs of all times. That's, those are some eyes I want to look into. Yeah. Well, and here's something that like, as you're talking about this and I'm just kind of doing some quick random Googling, to go along with it, I don't think in my head I ever connected the fact, and this is not a diss to to the Beatles in any way, shape, or form, but I don't think it ever fully clicked in my head that Derek and the Dominoes put out their album right at the same time that the Beatles were like putting out their last album because the sounds of those albums sound like decades apart from each other. Yeah. <laughs> like that Derek and the Dominoes album, I always... In my brain, I'm like, that's like a late 70s record. And like, no, it's 1970. That's Mm -hmm. insane to me. Yeah, 1970s. Yeah, the music's really interesting. um, And I love, we always go on antidotes where I'm like, that's going to be another episode. But the music of that time, you know, through the 60s into the 70s is a really interesting 
transitional phase because a lot of things, most things were being done for the first time. And so some songs you hear in the early 70s that I think, oh, that must be like 1964. And I'm like, what the hell? Who got, some people kind of got stuck in a time and then vice versa where some things sound so progressive for their time. And you look and it might be an early to mid sixties and it's like, whoa, they were, you know, and the Beatles were definitely one that obviously were pushing the envelope like crazy. And Sgt. Pepper, that album really was, you know, a first of its kind and is, had said to, you know, open the gates to future music and this experimental. And they created sounds that had never been heard before. They, you know, were the first to have the loudest song with Helter Skelter until that got topped, um, I believe, by The Who. You know, so it's, it's a really interesting time. And even socially, what I love about music history is it really is a reflection of what's going on politically in the world and with different countries and the world state and the state of mind. And, you know, we're going from the 1950s American dream to the kind of more rebellious sixties and the sexual revolution. And, and then you get into Vietnam and kind of more protest and hippie and liberal rights and music really just follows that and is a parallel reflection of what's going on. And I think that's the coolest way to learn about history is through music. It's one of my favorites. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. That rant that that we I could go on about that. So back to you, Patty. Eric's deeply in love with Patty, begging her, begging her. You know, she denies him for a while because she's still married. So her marriage is falling apart in the early seventies. Um, so the final straw is nineteen seventy four. Patty leaves because George has an affair with Ringo's wife, Maureen, and you know she's just done. She's done with the neglect. I would walk away too. So I got you, Patty. After Clapton wrote Layla, he fell into a heroin addiction and a self-imposed exile for three years. He then cured his addiction in 1974 and pursued Patty again. And then Patty married Clapton 1979 in March. And George Harrison and Clapton did remain friends after this. So I thought that was a really cool, you know, bros before hoes kind of relationship there. Because, wow, that could be some strain and tension. But That's wild, though. Yeah, it like, kind of sounds like everyone... I mean, he was just, like, sleeping with Marine's wife, Ronnie Wood, and they all, like, kind of swung whether that was intentional or not, but all these affairs. So, you know, I couldn't imagine a rock star's life, but I uh, I thought that was really cool that they stayed friends and after she went to, to marry. They did marry in 1979, but before that, you know, they were together for for quite a while. And in 1977, Eric Clapton writes the song Wonderful Tonight. And it was written for Patty. He was waiting for Patty to get ready to attend Paul and Linda McCartney's annual Buddy Holly party. And that's where the words, you know, does she ask me, do I look all right? And I say, yes, you look wonderful tonight. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, You know, another beautiful love song that she inspired, but they actually were getting ready for uh, Paul and Linda's little party. So kind of funsies. Now they start to struggle in their marriage. Patty starts drinking a lot heavily. So she picks up heavy drinking because Clapton, and he does later admit to that he was a full-blown alcoholic and very abusive towards her. So she is stuck in this highly abusive relationship. I'm not so sure so much, you know, like physical. I don't think he was beating her, but just extremely emotionally abusive. And he was a huge alcoholic. So 
That's Fonzie's. And again, if you remember, kids, I said Patty has infertility issues, so she couldn't get pregnant and actually had multiple miscarriages, which is a very stressful, traumatic event for a woman to go through and can bring a couple together, but can also very much tear one apart. And one that is full of alcohol and abuse, clearly it's going to tear that apart more. She does leave Clapton in 1987 after he has numerous affairs. And I do want to pinpoint there because I want to go back to one of those affairs because it's quite famous in a way. And they get divorced in 1989. Now, Patty also inspires two more songs that Clapton writes, Bell Bottom Blues and The Shape You're In. The Shape You're In, he wrote about her drinking. So she did really get herself into quite a state there. But what I wanted to go back to with his affairs is one of his affairs he had was with Lori Del Santo. She was a model and kind of whatever, not important. So they have an affair. They have a son, Connor, Um, And that was really difficult for Patty, you know, because she can't get pregnant. And then he really loved the son. And I know there was a lot of flaunting of like, oh, I just love my kid and this, that. And, you know, that's really kind of shitty in my opinion. But unfortunately, and this is where it gets really sad here and why I kind of say this is a more famous affair he had. um, This is the son that in 1991 fell out of a window and dies. And that's when he writes Tears in Heaven. So sad. Leaving that sad note, Patty does end up marrying a property developer, Rod Weston, in 1991. And I do believe they're still married. So I'm very happy she finally found some love there and got out of the rock and roll scene because, like I said, that cannot be stable. But yeah, gosh, I couldn't have spoken any faster. That is the all-time top best rock and roll muse. And wow. All right, so I've got a question for you. Hit me. What do you think is the best song that was written inspired by Patty Boyd? That's not (laughs) fair. Something. I just love something so much. Something is, I mean, we could almost analyze all of those songs because they're all beautiful in their own different ways. I think Layla's interesting because I I really think that the most beautiful part of Layla is the part that Eric Clapton didn't write, which is that piano ballad at the end of it. Oh my God. No, that's the one that like, I like it, but it just goes on and on. And I was like, Oh my God, there's three minutes left of this. Like, come (laughs) on. Like I want to get to that. And I do love the acoustic version, the kind of more smoky sitting in the back with my guitar. Yeah. Layla, you got me. I think it translates very well to that um, tempo, but the original, the guitar lick on a oh, it's just so good. It's I think so good. The, I think the crazy thing is, like, you know, you're looking at like three. Here's three famous love songs mm-hmm. written about this woman. It's like here's one, and it's like, you know, something in the way she moves me. And you're like, all right, here's another one. And it's like, it's late in the evening. And you're like, and here's another one. (laughs) Well, that's, but it just shows you where they were at when they were writing these songs for her or about her is because, you know, something, they're already married. They're together. Same thing with Wonderful Tonight. Wonderful Tonight. They're together. They're, he's just sitting while she's getting ready. And, you know, and I had to Google her. her. She is gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's (laughs) got these bright, like, doe blue eyes that are just like, I mean, and I've seen interviews and I actually, um, 
read her autobiography in high wonderful school today. called Wonderful. See, there's two versions. I have Wonderful Tonight, and I did double check that, and I was like, wait, mine's Wonderful Tonight. So I looked this up when I was looking up a picture of her. Wonderful Tonight, They it was called Wonderful Today, and then when it was released in the United States, they changed the name. God, yeah, I was tonight. very confused because I was like, wait a minute, I for sure had... <laughs> um, and it's in my storage room, but wonderful tonight on my bookshelf. And that's what I read. And it's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it because, you know, you do obviously get a little of her background in her life and you're going to follow her journey, but you get a lot of really cool um, anecdotal stories about like one time I was in the room with the Beatles and the cops come in and there's a drug bust and this is what George says. And then John yells at him and this, and it's a very behind the scenes perspective of these huge rock stars, you know, cause she was there and it was a really, I, I think I read like every book on the Beatles possible in high school. I was a huge super fan. But. How would you describe her personality? Like, was she shy? And, like, like, yeah, have you shy. seen interviews? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's okay. a much more soft-spoken, shy. And, and then that's kind of how George was. So that's why she was even saying on the first date, she was glad Brian was there. Cause it, he kind of like led the conversations and can kind of, cause she said we were both very shy people. And I don't know that we would have had the balls to, to get it going or, you know, so yeah, which just makes you love her more. Cause you look at her face, you're like, oh, she's so sweet, shy. You know, she had these two major rock and roll relationships that mm-hmm. obviously like did not end the well. smoothest <laughs> on the planet. Did she, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she had to have said something, but like, did she say anything when George Harrison died? Did she make any kind of public statement or did she kind of just keep you know what? quiet about I'm going it. to absolutely plead the fifth right now, even though that's not what that means, and say, I don't know. I was, I'm sure she had something to say. Yeah, but. I mean, and I couldn't imagine, you know, any relationship, be it how it ends or this, that. At one point you are in love and I do believe that you can, I don't know, I'm no expert here, but you can fall out of love with someone but still love them or care. You know, it's points in your life that were monumental and at that time shape who you are. So I think death brings a lot of that back and a lot of reflection back and you kind of, whether it can bring up to remorse or guilt and you reflect on the good things. Cause normally when someone passes, that's our natural go-to is hopefully to just ponder on the good. And you know, that's hard, but I do want to side note, say George Harrison did later um, marry Olivia, who's now obviously Olivia Harrison and she is alive to this day. And I've met her like three times. I have a photo with her. She's one of the nicest women I've ever met. And so sweet. Um, if you guys don't know, I, for three years, was in the Beatles love show with Cirque du Soleil. So we got a lot of celebrities pass through. And Olivia comes to the show all the time to show support and is one of the nicest humans. So I am an Olivia fan as well. But Patty, I want to thank you for going through what you did because you are a beautiful soul. And that is some damn good music. So it wasn't in vain. But I'm glad, glad it seems like I hope you're happy now because... You know what? And if you're in California, give me a shout out. Patty, let's go to tea. Just putting that out there. If anyone knows Patty Boyd, give her my number and we're going to hook up some tea time. So, Gelsey, obviously on this episode, as you're talking about Patty Boyd, you're talking a whole lot about George Harrison also, right? I haven't gotten around to it, but have you watched the Get Back stuff that's been dropping on Disney Plus? No, I actually didn't know that it was out. And this week I saw like a preview for it or commercial on TV and I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> so I was, I, I can't believe I didn't know that was coming. Um, it looks incredible. 
And obviously, I have a huge tie to the Beatles, being in the Beatles show in Vegas. And so I'm really attached to the music. Oh, I just can't wait. It looks amazing. So maybe I'll do that this week. Yeah, I I really want to sit down and watch. I think they said they've released two of the episodes so far. And I don't know how many episodes it's actually going to be. But one of the things that I heard a lot of people saying, which I'm interested to, to witness, is that they said that this really highlights that maybe the tensions towards the end of the Beatles have been mm. exaggerated over the years because they're like a lot of this footage. They're just laughing and having a good time with each other. Yeah, I feel like, you know, and I've I used to like read all the books on the Beatles, but well into my teenage years. So it's been a while. But I do feel like there was tension. Obviously, they did break up. But if you look back on some of it and then just read into interviews of them later. Like they were all still friends in the later years and could be in the same room. And it wasn't like they were like, like, you know, I'm sure it was like awkward at first, but if it was that bad of a falling out, I don't feel like they could still be friends. Yeah. I I remember hearing that infamously when Lauren Michaels went live on SNL and was like offering $3,000 for a Beatles reunion that like, Paul and John were literally hanging out with each other, watching it on TV and being like in New York and being like, <laughs> we should just show up. Like we should just walk down to Rockefeller Center And that's right what now. I love about them. Cause I feel like they really do have such a sense of humor. Like if you've seen any of their movies, hard days, night help hard days, night was barely scripted. They just let the cameras roll and they ad lib. And it's one of the funniest, like you really see their sense of humor come out and they were really goofy fun guys like john used to drive around he had like a gorilla suit and he would put it on sometimes and just drive around in his convertible like in a full-blown gorilla <laughs> suit just because he's like that's funny like they were really quite funny so i wouldn't be surprised if they were like we should just go and like, yeah i love that about them have you ever seen the movie the magic christian no okay so the magic christian is I believe it's Peter Sellers and George Harrison. Peter Sellers adopts a full-grown adult played by George Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see this. But one of the things that I remember about this movie, and I haven't seen it, I own it, and I still haven't seen it for for quite a while, but all of the Beatles appear in the movie. Mm. But the joke was that all of the Beatles are dressed up as old men in one scene, but then they also hired Beatles lookalikes to be in the movie. (laughs) So, I love when movies do that. Yeah, like, so like the Beatles are unrecognizable in the movie. Like you really have to like look for search them. them out. Yeah. But as a joke, they kept putting because they're like, hey, we're going to see this because George Harrison's in it, and they're going to be looking for the Beatles. So as a joke, they hired a bunch of Beatles lookalike actors. That's to be incredible. In the movie. That's SNL does that a lot, where they'll like have a host, and then they'll have a sketch where one of the SNL cast members plays the host, and then the host either plays them they just did that recently where they played each other or someone else it i think it's the funniest thing it's so simple but i love it it gets me every time well i think that this was a very fun educational episode this is one of two episodes that are coming up that i knew nothing leading into this i like those if people are enjoying these types of episodes where can they go to let us know how much they love the show Call me at, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Instagram, <laughs> find us on Instagram at before my time underscore podcast. Also on Facebook, if you search before my time, it will pop up. There's the community there. Everyone's there to share what they love before their time. Reach out on both, say, hey, share what you love, share your thoughts about future episodes. And then also anywhere you can find podcasts. Obviously you found this one, so there you go. Please leave us a five-star review. Here's my air kiss. <laughs> across the World Wide Web, directly to you for doing that. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with more Before My Time with Kelsey Laurie. Cheers. 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.